Oh man, are you guys glad you're here tonight? Oh, this is a joy. Hey, so a little context. Uh, this is team night, and uh, we've only done a few of them, and so we don't even know what they are yet. We just know we love this church, and we love the team, and we want to invest. And so the purpose of, of a night like tonight is to say, hey, we're, we're building culture. And if our vision is to rise up and saturate our city with the gospel, um, then all of, that takes all of us rising up into our true calling and, and living, living it out. And so uh, even worship, like what a joy to be able to worship together. And what's cool is that, that was like half our Sunday worship team, half, um, and, and half of that team was like our young adults team. And so just seeing this, this force, this movement of the way that God is moving in this city, it's just a joy. And how does God move? He moves through his people stepping out in obedience. That's how, that's how he does it. And so um, I, I need you to hear this because you might not agree with me, but you're wrong, but you need to hear this, okay? You are a leader. Okay, like I love that you too agreed with me. Thank you. <clears throat> you are a leader. Okay, that was like, that was like Baptist on a good day, right? You have been called, set apart, and created by God to be a leader. There we go. There we go. Almost got four square there. That was good. I like that. I like that. And here's the thing. Like, so many of us are like, I don't like that because I don't want that responsibility, or here's my personality, or here's how I'm wired. But, but I, I just think, I think John Maxwell, he, I just think he hit it on the head. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And as followers of Jesus, are we called to influence the world around us? We, we are. As followers of Jesus, are we called to raise up and, and to have an influence on, on children and have an influence on neighbors and have an influence on loved ones? Yes, we are. And so, like, you can, like, you can disagree with me later, talk to Nolan about it, but, like, you're wrong, like, if you don't think you're a leader. It's just a word. But, but I need you to start to understand that God has called you to be a person and influence in your world, in your sphere. And he has uniquely wired and gifted you. And, and, and so here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk from a leadership perspective. This is not a sermon. I want to talk from a leadership perspective tonight of what it looks like to move forward in chaos. And, and here's why. is because this last 18 months has been chaos. And yet the church has moved forward. And yet we look around and, and, and we're like, man, this is incredible what God is doing. And, and you feel it. Like you walk in, in on a Sunday. I, I, I've had so many conversations with people that I interact with on a Sunday, and it's their first time coming back to church, their first time being in an environment like this, and they're like, something is so just different here. You know what that is? That's the movement of the Holy Spirit moving through his people, the church, and moving to advance the gospel, okay? So when, when I say chaos, I, I want to be clear. I'm, I'm not meaning crisis, okay? I, I don't want to say, like, man, crisis hits. You just got to move forward, okay? Like, if crisis hits, go talk to Andre. Don't talk to me. Like, do not listen to me. I will not be helpful, right? I'm like, how do we strategize about this? Like, no, we need to. But, but chaos, here, here's what I mean. And, and, and here's, this is not a, like, accurate definition. This is my my definition, okay? Uh, this is chaos. chaos is when reality has shifted and now you have no idea how to move forward. 
Like, you are, living, you are living by new rules. You are experiencing a new reality, that, and you have no idea how to move forward because you've never moved in and through these kind of things before, okay? Chaos is when you're planning a wedding, and the venue tells you you can no longer use it the week of the wedding, right? You heard that? How many stories? Yeah, some of you guys are like, I don't even want to get married anymore, right? Like, like that's, chaos is when three of your six employees quit at the same time. Chaos is when your kids can't attend school and you both have to work. Chaos is when they break up with you when you thought they were going to propose. Chaos is thinking getting a puppy is a good idea. Like, we, we <laughs> all these experiences. But chaos is when your entire world shuts down and you have no idea for how long, what it means, how people are going to respond, how people are going to divide, what you can do, what you can't, what people will think about it, and you still are called to move forward regardless. That's what we need to do. I remember when COVID hit that first week and um, everything like shut down. It was a Wednesday night and I was watching an NBA game and they canceled the NBA game and I looked at Jesse and I was like, some is like gonna go down. And then the next day is when some of the closures started to happen in our, around our country and in our state. And we had this uh, impromptu meeting with all, our, with all our leaders, and we sat down and like, what do we do? What does this look like? How, how do we move forward? And I remember Nolan and I, we went to, we went to migration, right? We had some cold brews at migration. Uh, and uh, we just sat and had lunch, and we just, I think we met for maybe a good hour or two and just talked like, man, what is next? And here's what's crazy. We had no idea. Like, honestly, like, no idea what to do. And it's terrifying. But we knew three things. Um, we knew people needed to be led. And we're looking to be led in a time like this. We knew that we, had, we were in this together as a church. No matter what, we were in this together. And we knew that God would carry us through no matter the circumstances. Man, that, that was a holy moment in my life. Because everything had been flipped upside down. Reality had been shifted, and I had no idea how to move forward. Yet we knew God was calling us to move forward in that moment. And so I want to make, make some observations of how do we move forward when that happens. Because, again, you all are called to lead and called to influence in some way, shape, or form. It could be at work. It could be in your family. It could be in, in friendships and relationships. It could be serving or leading in a church. Um, and when chaos hits, what we don't do is we don't run and hide and we don't stand idly by. Um, we're called to continue to press forward. So, so let me walk you through a process that I think is gonna be incredibly helpful uh, no matter where you lead. And you can, I think you can apply this to pretty much any situation, okay? First, what do you need? You need a clarity of convictions, right? Uh, Mike Tyson says, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. And chaos hits, and you feel, you, you feel that daze. You're, you're disoriented, you're confused, you're like, where do we go now, right? That, that moment when everything hits. And, and, and what you need in that moment is you have to start gaining clarity over where you need to go from here. You don't know how. You don't know um, how you're going to get there. Or you don't even know what it looks like. But, but you need to get clarity over your direction. Okay, what are my convictions? What are my convictions for our family? What are our convictions as a church? What are, our, what, what are my convictions as, as an employee or a business owner in this moment? And what people need in that moment around you is they need a leader 
who has the integrity and credibility to lead from their convictions, okay? And so I, I want to explain convictions a little bit, it, it, it bring some clarity, okay? Albert Moeller, he's talking about convictions. He says this, they're fundamental beliefs that shape who we are and establish our beliefs about everything else. Convictions are not merely beliefs we hold, they are those beliefs that hold us in their grip. They hold us. Convictions are things that you die for, okay? A value is something that you will commit to, but a conviction is a belief that you'll sacrifice for. A value, you'll count the cost, but with a conviction, there is no cost too high. Values, they're negotiable, but convictions, they're non-negotiable. Okay, let me, let me give you an example for, for us as a church. Like, like, we really value excellence. Like, we do. I mean, you, you feel it, right? Like, from the design to, to, like, visuals on the screen to Christian chicken in the hallway, only on Mondays, not on Sundays. We'll, you know, we'll keep praying for them when they move to Gresham. But, like, you know, like, the, the, from the coffee, like, the, like, Matt Pierce was here at 11 p.m. on Saturday night, okay? I haven't even said what you're clapping for yet. You're not even excited about it yet. And, it, and he's here at 11 p.m. on Saturday. Sorry, Kristen started that. We blame her. And he's adjusting the lights for our new series. Okay, now you can clap for him, right? Okay. Yeah. Ah. Oh. And those bangs. Look at those. They're just adorable. North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. He's going to cut my mic in a second. I got to be careful. Like, why? Because we want people to worship God in a distraction-free environment, right? Like, like, it's a deep value of ours. But if you tell me tomorrow the only way to do church is in a barn with nothing but my people and, and the word of God, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll go. Like, because that's a value, but gathering together is a conviction. Okay, we are called to gather. A, a conviction is that the, the church is God's plan A for offering hope to a broken world. That's a conviction. That's something we'll die for. And so we'll do anything to reach lost, hurting people in our community and to give them hope and healing in Jesus. That's a conviction, okay? We are convicted that God has called his church to be salt of the earth, the light of the world, a city on a hill. We're, we're convicted that like during certain seasons, like you're gonna adapt and you can do use online church as a band-aid, but it's consuming content, it's not connecting with saints, okay? So when everything was shut down, we sat down and we're like, what are our convictions? And we're like, we believe with the church should gather. We believe that we should be reaching the lost because God commands, the gospel compels, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to go, show, proclaim the love of God to a city that's broken, okay? Now, I said I wasn't gonna preach. It just comes out of me. I can't help it, right? But that's our conviction. That's what we're called to do. You know what moment it was for me in COVID? We, I was sitting down, and I was clicking through all these pictures, and I was just looking at like the, the previous like six years as a church and just crying as I was like making videos, right? Like, oh, I hate my life right now, right? <laughs> and I just started just looking at all the baptisms. You know, in 2019, we baptized 60 people. The average church baptizes one person a year. You know how many people we baptized the first half of 2020? Zero. That should convict you in that moment that we're not fulfilling our mission as a church. Now, I, I get that baptism is just one sacrament, right? We're, we're called to make disciples. We're called to, to, to love and seek the lost. And, 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 but, but we need to see fruit in what we're doing. 
And so we need to be a people who say, like, no, what are our convictions and how are we leading people out of it? And here's what's fascinating, that as you are a leader, right, you're going to find that leaders who live out their convictions, they gain credibility. Conviction, it's essential because only a convicted leader can be followed with confidence. And so it's not about people necessarily agreeing with every decision you make. They're not going to, like, like, buckle up. But you should be convicted about where you're going and why you're going there. If you care, like you, you need to understand like whatever way you're leading. If you're leading children, employees, teams, friends, spouse, church, like you need to lead with conviction. And so you find yourself, the chaos hits. You, you need to st- sit down and you need to stop. You need to slow down. You need to get quiet and you need to, to listen to God. Man, read scripture and journal and say, God, like what? What should be breaking my heart right now? Like, I, I'm listening to all these other voices, and all they're doing is stirring the pot. And to get quiet and listen to the Lord, read Psalm 19 and say, Lord, who are you? And, and what do you need to convict me of as a father? What do you need to convict me of as a wife? What do you need to convict me of as a teacher, as a police officer, as an employee in this moment? And, and, and just listen. And then I want you to start just writing all these things down. Get a massive list. And then slowly narrow down the ones that you would die for. Because there's going to be a lot of values that are really good values. Like values are important. I love values. But like when it hits the fan, like when the chaos comes, like you need to understand like the things that you're actually willing to sacrifice for the things that you're willing to die for. And that's what convictions are. And so you start with this conviction, but in order to move forward in chaos, you actually need to move to the next thing. You need to have a commitment to creativity, okay? Um, I have, I'm really weird, all right? So I, I know you guys already know that, okay? Uh, but um, stop saying amen in your heart, Nolan, right? Um, I, there's these four words uh, that I, like, I love when I hear them. And it is like bad, you sh- like this is not something you should be excited to hear, but my heart starts racing and like I start, fe- my fingertips, uh, I-, I feel things differently and like I just get this anticipation. It's when somebody comes to me and says, we have a problem. I get excited. <laughs> I do. I'm like, oh, let's go. Like I feel like all of a sudden I start thinking clearer. Like don't, now don't start coming, like bring those to Kristen and then sh- like... And then she'll solve most of them. And if every once in a while there's one where she's like, I have a problem, I'm like, okay, let's go. So, but I don't want that to be every Sunday. Like, we can figure out the coffee. It's going to be fine. Uh, okay. But, like, the reason is, is because it's in those moments uh, that, that creativity is birthed. It's actually in chaos that creativity is birthed. When reality seems to have been flipped upside down, you can't keep playing by the same rules. And, and so what's happened is over this last 18 months is people are either waiting for it to be over or they're trying to play by the same rules. But we live in a different reality right now. We don't know what it's going to be like 6, 9, 12, 18 months from now, but, but, but we're playing by different rules right now. And you, you have a conviction on how you need forward, and the old roads, they're not working anymore. They're blocked. So for us as a church, we, we may know our convictions, that, but the reality has changed, and the, the rules aren't the same. So we started to ask, we had to ask different questions when we had that moment where we said, um, like, we're not actually being effective in our mission. And so we, we asked a simple question. We sat, sat down together as a team, and so we said, if you were planting a church right now, but all the rules were changed, what would you do? 
See, that, that, that question shifted everything for us because before it was like, what do we do this week, right? Like, how, how do we get church at home, whatever, we, whatever stupid name we called it? Like, how do we get, sorry, I'm just bitter against it, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working through it. Like, how, how do we get that video up this week? Like, no, no, if you're planting a church and you're trying to reach the loss and the rules are different and, and you, you can only do 25 or 50 in a room, and you have a whole community that, that, that is um, afraid of gathering. Like, how can you gather in a way that still um, moves the mission forward? And so we just started to ask these questions, and we started to just think through things. And I was actually reviewing my notes um, today, and this is like, this is the creative process, okay? This, these are notes from July. I, don't, I, I made them small enough. I don't want you to read them. If, uh, let's stop reading those, okay? But, but like, this was ideas from one meeting. We just sat and ideated and ideated and ideated and ideated, and there were so many bad ideas. But out of that process, yeah, get rid of it, on it, on it, she knows. Raw chicken slides and bad ideas leave up for short periods of time. But we started to ask these questions, you know, and we were like, oh, like Noel and I were like, we'll preach eight sermons a day, like just pack people, like let's go one after another. And everybody's like, you guys are going to die. <laughs> like we're like, I don't care, next man up, right? You know, like that's still not going to be effective. You know, you know, Dave's like doing the math for us and showing us numbers. We're like, okay, that doesn't work. But we, we just kept asking what if. And there's this moment in that process where actually Stacy made a comment. She's like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if we could take like all our worship leaders and just divvy them up into like different rooms or houses and we just started, and it was like this little thread that we just started to pick at. And, and we just started to pick more and more and more and pull and we were like, pretty soon we were like, that, like that was the moment house church was born, right? And, and this, was, this was, for those of you guys who are a part of that or a part of Rise previously, like, it was like, it was a shift for us in a major way. We went from, like, one church that just gathered Sunday nights to saying, like, hey, what does it look like to be 14 churches moving forward? But, but the point was, we were fighting for creativity. And, 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 and this season, it's brought about all kinds of creative solutions. I've watched as parents have found creative ways to make, they say, no, I'm convicted that my kids would be around other kids. I'm convicted that my kids would get a good education. I've seen the adapt, uh, business owners, the ways that business owners have adapted in this season and, and, and what it looks like. Even churches doing drive-through services, all this kind of stuff. But, but here's some things you have to understand about creativity. Like, first of all, it takes work, right? You, we think creative people just like burp out creative ideas, you know? Like, it, no, like it takes, it's a process. Like it's effort, it's time, it's energy. Second, it's creative, creativity, it takes, it takes risk. You have to be willing to have a terrible idea. You have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to be laughed at. Uh, third, creativity, it actually re requires giving room for bad ideas. That's part of the process, okay? Like we have this team and we sit and ideate. You know who has the worst ideas on our team consistently? Chris Cutchell, he does, like always, <laughs> always. Like I'm, there's so many times where I'm like, why would you say that out loud? Zandy's so mad that I just called Chris out publicly, but I did, right? <laughs> like it's terrible. But you know who has the best ideas on our team? Chris Cutchell. Why? Because he's willing to risk. He's, he just writes it all down. And there's so many times where, where, where we walk through this process. And, and, and creativity, it's, it's not something that just happens. Like, you have to work at it. You have to risk. You have to have room for bad ideas. And, and lastly, on this, you have, to, um, you have to be willing to move outside of your comfort zone. 
and ask what if. See, creativity in, in chaos is where the future reality is born. And, and we so often are fighting to preserve the past rather than fighting to build the future. And, and God is building something. He's building something in our church. He's building something in our families. He's building something in our schools. He's building something in our community. If we would be willing to say, no, we're, we want to seek after him. What are our convictions? And then how do we fight after that? And, and so how do you do that? Just, just a simple activity that I think is, is really important. And, and um, all our teams do this quite often. I just call it group ideation. And what we typically do is we whiteboard ideas, right? Or, or what your average person does is whiteboard ideas. And so you, you just say something out loud, and then somebody writes it down, and then that sparks another idea, and you write it down. And then what happens is there's people in the room who, like, they're like, I will never say an idea. Or, um, or it gets so narrow too fast. But here's, here's, how you have, here's how the best way to creatively ideate. You can do this on, on a team. You can do this even you know, with a spouse and a family. Uh, everybody gets a note card or a piece of paper, and you just say, hey, I want you to come up with X number of ideas. Like, like give us 10 ideas. And seven of them should be bad, but you have to write 10 things down. And then everybody, everybody write, spends time, and you give them time until everybody writes on their note card. And then you write all of those ideas, the good and the Chris Cutchell ones, all on the whiteboard, right? And you see everything. Because then you can start to work. Then you're, now you're creatively thinking through. Because sometimes it's the worst ideas that the best concepts are born out of. Okay, so you have to be willing to fail. So you move to this from this idea of conviction to creativity, and this is where most people stop. You actually have to have the courage to risk. You you got to take a risk. You got to move through things. We 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 stop at this idea, you, and, and ideas like ideas get you nowhere. Can I be honest with you? Like one of my pet peeves is when somebody is like, you know, somebody creates something, and somebody's like, oh man, I had that idea back in 2008. I'm like, really? Like, you thought of the iPod? Like, good for you. Like, you know, so, yeah, I just wish I had music in my pocket. Like, good for you. Like, you did not build it, though. You, like, ideas are worth nothing. Execution is everything, right? And because it's the risk takers that execute. It's, we need builders who are saying, I am willing to fail. And, and the problem is we're not willing to fail. We're not willing to take the risk. Like, we, when we started House Church, we were like, Man, like this could be terrible. <laughs> like we don't, like we're like we're doing some. We're calling it house church, but we're meeting in a building. Everybody was confused. Like we just say all these things. Like we're just like I don't know. Like nobody's doing anything. Let's just try it. It's got to be better than online, right? And it worked, right? And so we're geniuses. <laughs> yeah. And we had no idea. Like let's just see what's. There was literally spaghetti on the wall. But but you have to have the courage to risk. Okay. And here's why we don't move forward. There's two reasons. One. Fear of opinions. Am I right? Like, we're so afraid of what people are going to say if we're the one who fails. We're so afraid. But you know what Jesus did? You guys, Jesus counted the yes votes. And, and, and here's what I mean. Let me explain that. Um, he, he didn't say, like, hey, what do you guys think about this? He said, come follow me. And so he fed 5,000 and he fed thousands of people multiple times. He preached to thousands and thousands. He preached to tens of thousands of people. Yet when he was resurrected, you know how many followers he had? He had 120. Because he wasn't trying to get the group opinion. He didn't care what they thought of him. He had a mission and he moved forward. And so as we move forward, we have to, we have to say, no, no, who are we trying to please? 
Are we trying to please God or are we trying to please men? This is what Paul writes to Timothy as he's raising up this young leader in 2 Timothy 2.4. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets engaged in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Like, we need to, that is good as Bible, right? Like, really good. Like, that, like I, I, said, I shared that verse with somebody today. They're like, like, where's that verse at? Like, I don't remember reading that. I'm, like, it's, it's compelling. Like, no, we need to be a people who, who serve, live to please our commanding officer, not other people's opinions. And so when you're moving forward and, and you've had, no, we have convictions and we have clarity of our convictions, and we're, we're trying to move forward creatively, we need to have the courage to move forward without the fear of other people's opinions. And the way you do that is, is you count the yes votes. You don't say, what does everybody think? You say, here's where we're going, who's with me? You, you count the yes votes. Like, when we move forward as a church, like, it, those of you guys who are here on Vision Sunday, um, actually, nobody was here on Vision Sunday. Those of you guys who watched online on Vision Sunday, there was like seven people here, my friends coming around me to record. It, one of the things I shared, I was like, look, I'm not asking whether you agree or not. I'm asking, will you go with me? And there was a lot of people that said, yes, we're willing to move forward in these things. A, a buddy of mine, Troy, was telling me, that he's a firefighter, and he was telling me he was walking through a church this week. Um, doing fire stuff, whatever it was, ask him later. Um, And uh, he's asking questions and and just kind of learning about this church and where they're at. And uh, this this, this is a church that said pre-COVID they were running about 1,200 people on a Sunday. And and right now they're having about 150. A little more than 10% of where they're at. Now, all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of things we don't know and don't understand, but I also know that that church has been closed for a year and a half. That's what happens when you say, like, what does everybody think? Because in a day like today, it's the voices against that yell the loudest. And we need voices that say, I don't care what anybody thinks, this is our conviction and our calling, we're moving forward and we're with you. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't say, well, how do I get these 5,000 people to follow me? He said, come and die. Pick up your cross. And 120 said, we're with you. And that's who he changed the world with. And so we have to move forward through those things. The second thing is that keeps us from courage to risk is this idea of fear of failure, right? We're so afraid to, to fail. And it, but here's the crazy thing about innovation and creativity is most innovations fail, like, they, they, they do. This is why, like, when I'm trying something new or where you're trying something new, you shouldn't say, like, um, what we need to say is, like, hey, this is something that I'm giving a try. Hey, can we try this? Can we experiment with it? Because if it fails, like, you're edgy, right? Oh, that was cool you tried that. And if it succeeds, you're a genius. But, like, be willing to try and stop worrying so much about failure. Joshua 1.9 God says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, if God's with you, why does it matter if you fail? Right? If you're walking in obedience, you guys, if God is calling you, if God is calling you to it, he will walk with you through it, okay? We're selling coffee mugs with that, $10 in the... But remember that, like that's, that's massive, that's huge, that's important. I was reading about these, um, this thing called the, the hatch when, when baby birds are born. 
and they start wiggling inside their egg. And the mama bird will be right there, but she'll never pick at the egg because the baby bird has to break through the egg. Because if the mama bird breaks it, or if something falls on it and breaks it, what happens is the bird goes to fly, and its wings are not strong enough, and it falls and it dies. So it's actually in the struggle, the very struggle of breaking through that egg, that this baby bird's wings are strengthened enough so it can actually fly. Man, if we would start to look at failure in that way, like, like, no, God's calling me to this, and whether it fails or not, he wants to use it in my life and in their life in some way. He wants to strengthen us through this process. Like, some of you guys, you, you're feeling called to something, I just want to give you permission to fail, to try it, to go for it, to risk it, because maybe it will. Man, I've just watched this road of people over and over saying, like, the, the people I'm so compelled to follow are the, win, the ones who are willing to take the big risk in those seasons. One of the things that was said to me when we started the process of, of, of this building, we were just praying about it. And uh, somebody pulled me aside and they, they were asking me all these questions about it. And, and uh, I, I just looked at him, I was like, how come you're asking these questions? I actually thought he was gonna write a big check. Uh, and I was like, tell me what's going on? And he looked at me and he said, because churches, because buildings are where church plants go to die and you're leading your church in the wrong direction. I was like, <gasps> right? That's a hard moment. And if I was driven by fear of people's opinions, I probably would have shut down right there. But we were driven by conviction that we were a church that needed a home. And it was not a coincidence that the day of our grand opening was the day that was the week that COVID hit. And we were just like, man, we screwed this up big time, right? Like, how did, we, how did we do this? Yet here we are. So it was 365 days ago that House Church was birthed. September 20th, 2020. And that, honestly, like, it would not have been possible in the way that it was done if it wasn't for God providing the space that he has. I meet with church leaders all the time who are still homeless trying to figure out what to do. Yet, we didn't, we didn't know if we were gonna succeed or fail. We just knew where God was calling us and we walked accordingly. Last couple quick ones and I think these are important. First, uh, you need a communicating collective. Communication is so key through the process. Um, because otherwise, like, we just fill in the gaps and the space with whatever's in our head. Here's what I mean. Like, there's two types of communication that are ultimately important. We need consistent communication and authentic communication. Why do we need consistent communication? Um, because the head and the heart, they have a lot of space. And unfortunately, where there's silence, we often fill in with the worst possible scenario. And so we don't hear from people or they don't hear from us. And they start to think or assume or doubt, and they feel disconnected, and they feel relationally left out. The reason you're not communicating is because you're like, man, I, I'm not, I don't have clarity yet. I'm not sure where to go. But, but, but just say that, right? Communicate, communicate, communicate. As often as possible, communicate with your team. Communicate with your family. Like, communicate through the process. Unfortunately for you, this is actually a struggle of mine, because I'm like, no, I, wanna, I want absolute clarity and I intend to communicate later, and then I, I end up not following up. Thankfully, like, we, we have a whole team as a church that can continue to communicate, but like, this is something that I'm like, we, we need to grow in this. And so just like a real side note, 
um, you're going to hear about either you have this app called Slack and you've deleted it and ignored it for the last 18 months, or you don't have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's okay. Like, you will hear about it. Like, can I just ask you, if you're on the team, like, can you just get back on Slack? Like, maybe turn your notifications back on. Like, unmute me, right? Because we need to be a church that communicates. And so you have a team lead that shares something, like, respond. Encur- like, encourage them. <laughs> like, give them emoji. I don't care what it is, but, like, we need to be, a, we, as we move forward, we need to be a communicating collective, and we all need to grow on it. We were actually doing pretty good at this as a team pre-COVID, and it just, like, kind of slumbered. And, like, we need to rebirth this thing. We need to grow in our communication together. We need to have consistent communication, but also we need authentic communication. Why authentic communication? Like in Proverbs, it tells us that an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. It tells us better the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Here's the reason authentic communication is so important is because in chaos, you're gonna have to deliver a lot of bad news. And you're not doing anybody any favors by softening it. It feels good in the moment, you're like, no, I'm, I'm making friends, but you're actually breaking trust. Like, it does nobody any good to sugarcoat the hard truth. Like, nobody wants to eat a chocolate-covered turd. Like, it sounds good at first. Like, but that's what we do. Like, we try to soften. Sorry, I guess these are all the things I don't say on Sunday. <laughs> like, what's team night? Well, let me tell you, Chick-fil-A and inappropriate comments. But we need authentic communication. I had a hard meeting this week, and it was an individual who was really mad at me for something that I had said. And they, they listed all the reasons they were upset and all the reasons they thought I was wrong and all the reasons I was leading wrong. And I looked at them and I said, do you want me to just listen or do you want me to respond? And they said, I want you to respond. And you know what I wanted to do in that moment? I wanted to say, I'm so sorry. I wish I hadn't said that. I'm sorry that I offended you. I'm sorry that that, 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 that was hard to hear. Like, I, you know, you misunderstood, blah, blah, blah. But I knew that that was softening the truth. And so I looked him in the eyes, and I said, you and I are still on completely different pages because I stand by everything I said. And if you're gonna be a part of this church, I need you to come under that. And I need you to love people in that way because what you're doing was hurtful. And by God's grace, he humbly said, you know what, that makes me want to be a part of this church even more. Because <laughs> I don't agree with you, but I can get behind your conviction on that. Like, I wanted to be like, sorry, bro, we're good, right? But, but we have to actually, we have to communicate authentically through these things. I got this card that sits on my desk. It says, Rev Clark, just wanted to say thanks for your sermon you preached on Sunday. This is a number of months ago. You always speak truth and point people to Jesus, but the topics you were preaching on are hard and controversial, yet you called us up with love while not compromising what is right and true. I feel especially convicted as a parent, raising children in the midst of a world that is mixed up. Thank you for the reminder of what is important, for the encouragement not to compromise even in the small things. I appreciate your boldness as you lead Rise, even when plenty of people don't like what you say. We're behind you. We love you. We'll continue to pray for your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Thank you for the sacrifices you make as a family, as you love and lead this church. Sincerely, Julie Feldman. She's a good one, right? And you see Julie Feldman give her a hug and a card. 
those words were like water to my soul because that was a week filled with meeting after meeting after meeting of people who were frustrated with me for communicating hard truths. But we need to be a people who are in this together and are willing to communicate through these things and walk through these things. And lastly, and this is what Jesus teaches us, we need to be compelled by compassion. See, none of this matters if our motivation is being right. None of this matters if our motivation is just, um, hey, how do we advance as a church or how do we stay open as a church? No, our motivation has to be compassion on the people that Jesus loves. It says, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and they followed him. What moved Jesus? It was compassion for those he was leading. It was love and care for those he was leading. Do you have compassion and care for those in your family? Do you have compassion and care for those coworkers who disagree with you? Do you have compassion and care with those, for those neighbors? That's what needs to move us. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. How many of us right now show compassion when people are wandering around confused and helpless? Or do we show anger, impatience, frustration? Like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. You know who those workers are that we've prayed for? It's the people in this room. It's you. And what are you called to? You're called to be compelled by compassion. This is why we move forward as a church. This is why you move forward as a school. This is how we, why you move forward as a family, as a spouse, as a sibling, as a friend, because you are so compelled by compassion. It moves us in the right direction. It moves us towards the hurting, towards the wounded, towards the broken, towards the sick, towards those who need help. It moves us towards those who don't like us and disagree with us. That's what compassion does. And without compassion, we move the train forward, but we run people over in the process. And that's what we, can't be what we're doing as a people, as leaders, as a church. And so why do you move forward in chaos? It's because there are people in your life who need you to have the courage. They need you to have the conviction. They need your creativity. They need you to communicate with them. And they need you to have compassion. Why have we fought to stay open and will continue to fight to stay open as a church? Because the hurting need hope right now. Marriages need support. Children need playmates. The lonely need connection. And if I'm honest, like I'm tired of getting the emails that I get week after week or the conversations in the hallway of people that said, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done because we don't like how you're moving forward. But the truth is like, like we move forward because people need the church. People need hope. And so why do you keep 
your business moving forward, your school going, your employees hired, your marriage progressing, your team advancing on mission because, cash in, because compassion so compels you. Would you take the brunt force of people's frustration and complaints so that the people behind you could receive grace and hope and joy? That's what leadership is. And so you are a leader. God has called you to lead your family, your school, and your job, and your friendships, and your church, and your ministry in such a time as this. And so move with conviction. Press into creativity and say, no, like how do we, when everything's changed, how do we keep moving forward? Have the courage to fail and try and progress. Communicate and communicate often and have compassion and let it be what compels you. Jesus, we are so grateful that we get to be your church in a season like this. Lord, I thank you for this room of people. What a joy to worship together. What a joy to move forward together. What a joy to be the church, Lord. And there are men and women in this room right now that you are stirring something up in them that they just need to say yes to. You have been calling and calling and calling, and you're waiting for them to say, here I am I, send me. Lord, would you fill them with your spirit? Would you fill them with a conviction? Would you empower them to walk and to lead and to love? And Lord, would we be known as the most compassionate church on the planet through the process? That it's not for our rights, not for our responsibilities, not for our name. It's to make your name great and to love the people that you love. Jesus, we love being the church. Would you move in us and through us? In Jesus' name, amen.